From the Transverse Network, this is The Transgender Show, an interview program about gender discovery and acceptance. I'm your host, Emily. This week on the show is designer, artist, and illustrator of video games and tabletop RPGs, Janelle Jaquez. Welcome to the show, Janelle Jaquez. Well, hi. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for being here. Now, as I said, there's a slight tie-in with our previous guest. Becky Heineman is your wife, correct? Yes, she is. We've been together for, let me count, about eight years. Oh, that's awesome. Almost nine. Yeah, so once I got in with uh, with Becky, it was super easy to get in with Janelle. So. <laughs> we we, we had kind of have that uh, communication connection there. Janelle, when did you first realize you were different, and what were those what were those clues? Um, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna say childhood. I knew I was different, just in the sense of being interested in things that other little boys probably weren't. Like, I've always was always interested in the idea of presenting feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably, I've got a picture of me cross-dressing, probably in kindergarten, wearing my mother's swimsuit. And that kind of, that was kind of as far as I took it. I always generally had the idea that, yeah, it's probably something I shouldn't talk about. This was the late 50s, early 60s. Um, And it really didn't, you know, I, I would play at it. I even... I mean, even as a child, I would grow up, I drew comic books. I had uh, characters that transform. In my comic books, I had characters that transform between male and female. Mm. Um, kind of based on the Legion of Superheroes. So I did know that cross-dressed when people weren't around. Um, my brother was the only person during my early teens who ever saw me cross-dressed once. Okay. There's a story in that as well <laughs> when I came out. Um, but I think, and then puberty kind of intensified that. Mm-hmm. And I was always in that it was easy finally when I started researching and understanding what I, what was going on with myself. I picked this identity of heterosexual cross-dresser because it made it something I did and not something I was. And And, what was a period in your life where you identified as that? When did, when, when did you? Oh, I would say it was from my, my mid teens right up until I was in my mid fifties. And that, that was my point of trend. There, there came a point then that I, I chose to actually, exam, actually examine that in my life instead of just kind of, yeah, it's there and I don't want to let go of it, but I really don't want to look too closely either. Uh-huh. Um, and then um, that would be go through, I went through two marriages that way. Um, both my wives knew I, cr- I cross-dressed um, in the first case. She didn't like it, and it caused her problems um, with the, with her own self worth. And then in the second marriage, um, we experienced. I was given some freedom to. I explained that who what what I thought I was going into the relationship, 
I was given permission to experiment with it during the marriage. And we did experiment a little bit, but in the end, it wasn't something she was into. Mm-hmm. And there were there literally came a point where she said something to me, and I realized at that point my marriage was over. It went on for a few more years, but I knew my marriage was over. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned that the first wife it was sort of a, a threatening thing to her, where she kind it of felt, felt threatened. Yeah, she felt threatened by it, and for the most part, I did what I could to suppress mm-hmm. and kept it a private thing. Okay. But at least you know, I, I do I I do admire or at least appreciate the fact in your marriages that you were able to be open about it from, from the start. Was it from pretty much the beginning? No, not in the first one. In the not in my first marriage. It came out within the first um few months of actually being married and there was a little play, but it in the end um it caused some very serious problems. Okay. So yeah. With with my relationship, with my spouse, with me just, just deciding eventually that it just had to go in a box and be put away there. What made you first identify as trans? When did, when did you come to that realization and start moving forward with that? Okay, um, let's say I was in mid-50s, early, early, early 50s, early to mid-50s, and... I had been working for a company in Georgia that was a lot more open about LGBT issues than any place I'd ever worked before. In fact, it was probably the first time I worked with openly gay people, openly bi people. Mm-hmm. And there were, I would later discover, um, two other trans women one in my own office, one um, in another office in Iceland, um, working for the company, and we we ended up communicating a lot. Um, the The woman I worked with was never technically out in the company. She had reached the point where she could just be invisible. Okay. Um, the uh, but I'd reached that point in the company there, so I knew I was kind of in a safe place. I ended up beginning the pro- my process of divorcing. Um, I didn't want to be in my marriage I was in. There were some things going on that I just didn't want to be a part of anymore. Mm-hmm. I got started that first, that new year, with this decision that I was going to find my way back to happiness that year. Okay. I didn't know the path I was going to take. <laughs> that was what surprised me. Hmm. I got into, um, started just say, okay, I'm here, my marriage is ending. My responsibilities to my children are over at this point. My youngest child was um, in the process of graduating from college okay. or would graduate soon. Um, my oldest child was established in his own career. So I didn't have to worry about kids anymore my marriage was going to be over, I could take a serious look at my own life. And at that point, I'd start up my cross-dressing a lot more um, privately and realized that, okay, something's going on here. I'm no longer just wanting to dress. It's starting to change into something where I want to be. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make, I wanted 
physical changes to occur in my body. Okay. And that kind of was a new thing for me. That's the point at which I started doing a lot more research online. And I started reading other trans women's stories. Um, Jenny Boylan was one of them. Mm -hmm. And I read their stories. I bought their books, read their stories, and started realizing how much their own lives resonated with mine. Those were my life. Um, so much similarity in them. And after a, about a month of serious soul searching, reading, um, thinking about who I was, what I wanted out of life, at the end of March of that year, uh, this was 2011, I came to the conclusion that I wasn't a heterosexual crossdresser. I was transgender. In fact, I would actually at that point probably say I, I would have used the word transsexual. Um, because I knew I wanted not just to express the different gender, I wanted the whole package. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I wanted to live as a woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that was the end of uh, end of end of March. Um, I had made that decision, and uh, my my wife at the time she was still working, and she would. I waited a week to tell her my decision because April 1st is a really bad day to come out with a big announcement about your life. <laughs> that you want people to take so, seriously. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So I was, we, we shared an office um, where we sat across from each other in our home and she was busy doing her expense reports before she went back to work that next week. And I was sitting over there, and apparently I was doing a lot of, <sighs> <sighs> you know, making sighing noises. And she said, well, what's up? And so I told her, <laughs> because I said, I made a point. We, were all, we already had a divorce in process. One of the things I was doing at the desk across from her was while she did expense reports, I was trying to figure out our, our taxes and division of assets. <laughs> So we were already at that point. Um, so I told her and she was kind of like, oh, well, okay. Um, and that was where the journey began because within the next week I contacted a local therapist. I read through the, the descriptions of some gen local gender therapists. And this was in the Atlanta area to be, so I wanna, I wanna Claire, where, where I was living at the time. I lived out, I lived in a suburb of Atlanta and I found a therapist who had her offices inside Atlanta. She was not only trans, but she was also a, a Presbyterian minister. And that kind of covered two things that I needed at that point in my life that were important to me, that I needed someone who would understand both the trans side and my religious background um, growing up and through most of my adult life. Wow, so, yeah, so I made an appointment. You found the exact right person. Just, just Pardon? To, you found the exact right person. Just oh, she was, she was perfect. She still is perfect. Yeah. I could, I would recommend her in an instant, a heartbeat. Um, but I made an appointment with her, saw her, and the first session was like a couple weeks later. 
at the end of the session, you know, I told her my story. And then at the end of the session, she stood up and she said, as I was leaving and gave me a hug and said, welcome to the sisterhood. Hmm. So I was there in one. <laughs> and uh, she recommended a local um, uh, electro electrolysis technician that she had worked with and she recommended to a lot of other uh, women. And I started seeing her within the week. Hmm. And she became actually, because I was seeing her, my, saw my therapist once a month, I saw my electrolysis technician as often as twice a week. So she became my second therapist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of like a, a bartender, the captive audience there, and, and you're just yeah. spending a lot of time together. And she had had probably a lot more experience with trans people at that point than I had. And so that was, that was the beginning of my journey. Um, I think within the month, I had made two important contacts outside. I'd come out to two, two people in my life that, were, that needed to come out to. One was my first ex-wife um, because I wanted her help in coming out to my kids. I wanted her to review what I was going to write to them. Mm. And then um, I came out to Becky uh, in early May. And that began, that was the beginning of what would become our own, our relationship later that year. Were you two already working together at that point? Oh, no. no. We'd never, we'd never spoken before. Okay. Uh, I reached out to her via Facebook, sent her a message saying, um, I'd like to talk with her about her recent experience working in the game industry. And um, she figured out she she put two and two together and got more than five. Mm -hmm. um, and she turned to one of her friends she was staying with that day and said, Jake Ways is going to come out to me. <laughs> and her friend, who was also happened to be one of my fans of my role-playing stuff, said, no, no, she's not going to do that. No, he's not going to do that. And within 30 seconds of, of the phone call the next day, um, I basically came out to Becky and she turned to her friend and said, I called it. I called it. <laughs> and we talked for about three hours. Mm -hmm. That all, that all sounds very much like Becky. And I, I know her, <laughs> I know her very minimally, but it's kind of funny again, the parallels. That's exactly how I, I met her. I reached out to her on Facebook. <laughs> and that's typical. I've, I've had a lot of people do that with me over the years too. Mm -hmm. So yeah well, what you giving back so um it sounds like since you you fell right you just kind of fell right into the right situation and found the right people at, at that exact moment uh, mm -hmm. when you when you came out did did you have any any struggles or um second guessing just basically kind of fear or you know a moment of terror when you realize uh, oh this is this is i'm transgender and i'm gonna want to transition that changes the whole mindset it changed a lot of things um it changed one of one of the biggest changes was this mental change in my head where um how i felt about um cross-dressing, wearing clothing of the op what at that time was still the opposite gender, mm -hmm. how I felt about that, mm -hmm. it went from being something wrong and sexy to being, oh, these are clothes, this is my clothing. Uh -huh. it, was, it was literally just this 
the switch flipping in my head almost that yeah this is going to be this this felt this has now felt normal for me um now it would be a good month or more before i would go out in any leave the house in women's clothing for any any reason um and that first reason would have been i kind of dressed up um non-binary appearing to my second visit with my therapist first visit was in you know no my former clothing uh -huh. um second visit was another type of look and by the third visit i was wearing a dress and um and women's shoes and feeling vulnerable and uncertain because again i lived in i lived in georgia it's the still it's Atlanta's Atlanta, but it's still the South. Yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of conservative, and, old, old world thinking. Yeah, and I think the, one of the things I really liked about it, about where I lived at the time, it was an incredibly the neighborhood I lived in was was relatively upscale for the area. It was a little pocket neighborhood in um, Norcross, Georgia. Okay. Um, where at this point the Marvel Studios are located. Oh, really? um, yeah, Marvel's got their, one of their big production studios in, in Norcross now. Hmm. Um, they do a lot. Of, they do a lot of their. It's like the home base for a lot of their George, their filming they do in Georgia. Um, but it wasn't there when I lived there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I li I lived near the, the downtown area, so I would often go out. You know, I could go out on my runs and my walks through the the neighborhood and. Um, for the first six to eight months, you know, I I was just like I was before. I literally jumped into the whole, the process with both feet. I knew the goal I wanted to, to, to reach. I I knew when I wanted to reach that goal. Okay. Um, I was, you know, I was 54 years old. No, no, yeah, I was 54 years old at that point. And I'd wasted most of my life in the in the wrong life. You know, they, they talk, it's talked about being, you know, oh, I'm in the wrong body. No, I was in the wrong life. That's the best way I can look at it. I was trying my, trying as hard as I could to be a guy and not really doing the good, and had never really done a good job at it. I started going to a, um, a come and go group, I'm gonna call it therapy session, group discussion session that my therapist ran. It, you know, we we showed up. It was a lot of other trans women, roughly in my age group, and a bunch of really young trans guys. And we would meet in a church of all places um, once every week and just have an hour and or so of just talking about our lives, sharing what was going on with us, um, whether it was gender related or not, um, and just getting to know each other's people and. When I come away from that group, it's like, okay, this was like a graduating class. This is this was like a class. The people you you go to high school with, and then all graduate at the end. You have this. Mm -hmm. It was a bond that was formed with all these diverse people. Um, so, and I've never found that again. I've never found that in any group I've been to since. Hmm. So it was very special to me. I would go dressed. But to get dressed, I had to go from work. I would wear as much of my clothing as I could under my street clothes. Mm -hmm. At the end of the at the end of the workday, around six o'clock, 
I would get into my big SUV, drive across the street from where I work into kind of an abandoned parking lot that wasn't being used, mm -hmm. change my clothes in the car there, put on, I often I initially tried to put on makeup and jewelry at that point, but then I would drive from there to the therapy group session. And sometimes I would notice that people I worked with were in the cars next to me on the street I was going because it was a major road. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was kind of think, just thinking, don't, don't look to the right. Don't look to the right. Yeah, you may know that car, but don't look to the right. <laughs> Yeah, oh, it's so many, so many parallels. Um, I wonder. I would love to poll to to start doing some polls in the chat and see how many trans people have that experience of just getting really, really good at changing clothes in the car. I got <laughs> so darn good at it, you know, like just everything, you know, putting on a putting on a bra without taking off your shirt. Um, well, I was probably already wearing my bra. I think at that point, what I would end up doing would just then I would put my cheaters in, um, mm -hmm. which I were handmade at that point. They were uh, nylon socks filled with plastic beads. One of my friends did the same thing with birdseed, but we were in Georgia and sweat would soak into those, uh -huh. so it was really a bad idea. <laughs> Sweaty birdseed. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it was until, it was several months. Um, I, start, I started HRT that summer, uh, Hormone Replacement Therapy, for those who don't know our acronyms. And that fall was my first, my first real outing was Southern Comfort Conference, which was held literally down the street from where I lived, um, down the highway, around the periphery of Atlanta, and then in an, a suburb on the periphery, the hotel had been held there for decades. Okay. And this was my first real outing dress and in makeup and more for more than just an hour and a half. So that was kind of interesting. I talked with some surgeons and uh, I had a makeup guy do my makeup one morning and nice. well, by the end of the day, she had applied so much makeup to my face that had, I looked like the, it all cracked mm -hmm. and I looked like the mummy uh -huh. because it was just this heavy pancake makeup on my face. just cracked up like um, the skin of Boris Karloff is the mummy. Mm -hmm. Where you look good so for, for about an hour, and then after that, you look older than you've ever looked in your life. Yeah. Then you, and then you have that, yeah, then you look older than you've ever been, and now you're even older. <laughs> um, but I went to some seminars. Um, there was a good voice, you know, vo lectures on voice, lectures on facial surgery, lectures on bo bottom surgery. Um, I had interviews with... Um, some of the top surgeons because they came to SCC. So it was, it was a really good experience, um, but it's also the only time I've ever gone to a gender conference. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that sounds pretty wonderful. I haven't experienced one of those. That sounds like Well, it's, it's a good, it's, if you've ever been to a game conference, it's something similar, you know, lots of things to go do and see. I just wasn't into the socializing. Um, even then, I was a grade A introvert, and um, 
you know, I just had no interest in really in socializing with people. So I made friend. I I made at least one friend while I was there. Hung out mostly with girls from my uh, my group because um, they were working as docents and uh, handling people. You know, a lot handling a lot of the busy work of the convention, just so they could get a free in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by this point. Um, Again, I was still, I was still totally closeted at work and in the rest of my life. But um, about a month earlier, um, I'd been chatting with Becky on and off all summer. One of the things she had offered me during our three-hour conversation was a girls' night out trip in San Francisco. We had been chatting on and off on Facebook, and I messaged her, and I said, hey, is that offer still open? Um, And she goes, yeah. And I said, would this weekend in October be good, which was my birthday weekend? Mm -hmm. Because a year before, my my wife had given a birthday party for my coworkers to come and celebrate with me, and literally no one came. It was just for me it was just one of the most depressing night days of my life so i decided the next year is i would make my own birthday celebration happen that's that became my next major experience um of being out full-time i was in the san francisco bay area spent the entire week out with her i traveled in 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 drab um but when i got to Elf, because all my ids were that were were that um, but when I got out there, you know, it was girls night out for three or four days. I had forgotten that turn, uh, that, that term traveling, you know, being out in drab. Drab. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, yeah. uh, it's not, it's not drag, but it's just kind of the, ugh, yeah, I gotta, it's I gotta your, yeah. yeah, you're still, you're still having to wear the clothing that doesn't feel, is quickly becoming does not feel right on your body anymore. Funny. Well, one of the, one of the things I had been doing that summer and that through that fall was it's one of the things that's different between um, being trans and being gay is that being trans has a cover charge, <laughs> and <laughs> part of that cover charge is an entire new wardrobe. I mean, that's there's a lot of things we do to our bodies. Um, to make ourselves feel better in those bodies, but it generally requires an entire new wardrobe, whether it's depend, regardless of what style you decide to choose. Mm-hmm. You know, I was building up that wardrobe, and at this point, I had already come out to my own manager. A few weeks later, I finally managed to come up, come out to the producer in my group. I was the um, lead designer on a. Um, a massively multiplayer online role-playing game, the lead level designer. So that meant I was responsible for world creation in the sense that I supervised and led a team of writers and artists who were creating what this world would be like. And But I came out to both my bosses and they said, okay, when the, we'll figure out what schedule for you to come, you know, to come out to the company to make the the change in the company. You'll work through HR, so that was all good. Well, I came back from that trip to visiting Becky, 
Becky for the first time. Mm-hmm. And the literally next day, the company had a worldwide layoff that took out 20% of the headcount of the company, oh. with most of it coming out of my Atlanta studio. I survived it, but almost everyone on my team was let go. Um, and that was just devastating to me. Mm-hmm. They were they were my friends. Mm-hmm. They were they were the people who we worked together every day. We were inside each other's heads. We were, you know, we were we were world building. We were creating mm-hmm. as a team. Yeah. So we were we were pretty close at that point. The worst part of it was is it killed my desire to be with that company. And then the next day after that, I went and applied for my name change. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's something I had already planned and uh, was ready to set in motion, but it just that was the timing on it. Did did um, that um, did that layoff? Did that derail your coming out as well? Did actually, it did the opposite. We were there was going to be a, a planned country company wide break in um, the pre the next March. It was about a year after I actually started my transition. Okay. And I was working towards that being my coming out because the company was going to take a week to week and a half break, which was a perfect time to leave his dead name, come back as Janelle. Well, that changed. So I accelerated. I started working with human resources and um, made the plan to come out to my company just before Christmas break, um, which meant the next major coming out that I had to do was to the company CEO and the corporate lawyer. Okay. Well, that would seem like a big deal, except that every week I played Dungeons and Dragons with them. When the time came to come out to these guys, I just handed them my coming out letter. They read it. Okay, we were good with this. Um, We'll review it for legal issues and... um, I think they asked for one phrase change, hmm. and that was it. We got to the, the date I had planned on it. That was We were preparing for our Christmas break. I sent the letter out on a Saturday morning um, and also notified the rest of the world that um, I was now Janelle. The only, the only fly in the ointment was that it had taken longer for my name to process through, so I still didn't have a legal name change. Uh-huh. I should clarify that throughout the summer, I've been writing these horribly long coming out letters. The first one was seven <laughs> pages long. By the time I gave one to my kids and siblings, it was only three pages long. When I came out to our group producer, I walked in, I stepped into his room and said, um, I'm coming out as trans. I just wanted to let you know that. And he goes, okay. Um, Basically, this isn't his first rodeo with that. Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was it. it was literally two to three minutes in his office and it was out the door. Let's get into the story of coming out to your kids and then also just broader your family's level of, of acceptance and how you okay. dealt with that. Yeah, there's, there's, there's three stories there. Um, the first story was, one, I had reached out to my, my, ex, my first ex-wife, the, the other mother of my kids. Mm-hmm. and presented her the letter I was going to give the kids. And her first reaction was, one, it's too clinical. 
Two, it's too long. And it sounds like if anybody read this, they'd think you were dying. <laughs> so, yeah, I kind of softened the letter a bit after that. But by the time, um, I, that summer, I went to go visit my, my family up in Michigan um, after the divorce was final. And I drove up to, to Michigan to be with, with my brother and sister and dad. Mm -hmm. um, we, uh, I pulled my, first I pulled my brother aside and said, you know, I took him out to, to, to get a coffee at a local coffee shop. And we were chatting and joking as siblings do. And then I handed him the letter. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'd like you to read through this. And so we're sitting outside on the porch of this coffee shop and he's sitting there. He's my younger brother, by the way. And he's sitting there and he's very sober faced, reading through it and rocking. And then finally he gets to the end of it and turns to me and says, well, that explains a lot and starts joking with me again. So apparently, I think I mentioned earlier that when we were children, I cross-dressed in front of him once. Yes. And he remembered that. <laughs> you know, we're talking 40 years, almost 40 years later, he remembered that. And he was actually okay with it. And even though I didn't give permission to it, he shared that letter with his daughters um, that later that week. And their response was they couldn't wait to, have, to be able to meet Aunt Janelle. So that was so awesome. So the next day I went and took my sister out. Um, we got away from the house. And we, I took her out to a local park, and I shared the letter with her. Mm -hmm. And she was just as accepting. Um, it took her a little while longer to get used to the idea that she didn't have a big brother, mm -hmm. or two big brothers, but she became an ally. So that was great. Um, but she agreed with me at that time. It was probably not a good time to come out with my to my dad. Okay. So I had the letter for my dad handy. Chose not to uh, to give it to him that weekend. Okay. And then I procrastinated on that and procrastinated on that and put it off until it was literally two weeks before I was going to be coming out to the world, and I packed up a book. Um, about transition um, I think it was called Till We Have Faces I'm not certain I can't remember if that was the title of the book but it was a pretty standard book you know 10-12 years ago about dealing with transition from a, from a way both that clinicians and lay people could understand so I went through that book and I highlighted marked passages and I put it together in a packet with a letter um, and sent FedExed it off to my dad. And FedEx, actually, FedExed it off to his girlfriend's home. Now, my dad's late, very late 70s at this point. Mm -hmm. And I wanted him to have support available when I came out to him. 
So I sent the package off, told them not to open it until I was on the telephone with them. Well, the next Friday after work, um, this was the Friday before I came out. I called him up on the phone. At his, I knew he was going to be his girlfriend. I called him up at his girlfriend's and talked and started the conversation. On my computer, on Skype, I had Becky for backup. <laughs> nice. So, you, so both had, you, you set it up so you, you both had the support that you needed right there at hand. Yeah. So I called him up and I literally read him the letter over the phone and asked if he had any questions, encouraged him to read the book. And at that point, he and his girlfriend came to the immediate conclusion that a living daughter was better than a dead son. Hmm. And what surprised me is that when he passed away um, several years back, and this is a pleasant surprise, the, um, with the paperwork in the will was all in my new name. Oh, that's wonderful. I love those little, the, those little things that end up being massive things to us. Of I, I think he was weirder about the idea that I was married to Becky than that I had transitioned. <laughs> Becky, I took Becky on vacation with me up to Michigan to meet my family, meet my brother and sister, um, meet my dad, see the state I'd grown up in for much of my life. Um, so she could get an idea of what my past was like. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, no, two weeks? Da -da -da, two weeks later, she flew back to um, to Atlanta, helped me pack up my, my moving van and we and my cat, and we drove off to Seattle together. How did you choose your name? How did you choose Janelle? Okay, there's a story. Of course, there's a story. Um, in my entire life, I did not have a name chosen for who I was in a female setting persona. Mm -hmm. Didn't have one. I was just me. Maybe that should have been a clue. Because <laughs> um, I wasn't pretending to be someone who had a name. When I went to go, when I started looking for um, names, you know, the first thing you do, I think everyone does this. You look at feminized versions of your given name. Mm -hmm. And there were none that I really liked. Um, I did not see myself having any of these names. They seemed, one, they seemed like old people. Um, <laughs> the, only, the only one that even was kind of fun was the name of a, a popular actress on a TV show I watched. Um, but yeah, it wasn't there. So I started trying on other names. I think one I tried on was Yvonne. Okay. Um, you know, when I say try on, I didn't take it outside the house in any way. It was just put it in my head, think about it, think about being this person. Mm -hmm. No. <laughs> um, went through some other names. I thought came up with some exotic sounding ones, went and looked through online search for who had those names unfortunately it was it was adult entertainers <laughs> um and that wasn't me <laughs> so that was an association i was not interested in okay so i started looking at baby books i started looking at variations of my you know name of my first let my my dead name variations meaning different using the first initial okay and 
I started leaning towards um, names that began with J because my mom was a JJ, my sister's a JJ. So where could I go with that? And I started looking, you know, I looked through baby book lists. I looked, the most importantly, I, I set up a set of rules for myself. One was it had to be age appropriate, meaning it had to be something that girls my, were being named the year I was born. Okay, that's a good It one. had to be culturally appropriate. Mm -hmm. um, and even now, I'll just say, you know, I wasn't brought up Catholic, so Mary Margaret right out <laughs> um it had to be um what else i was looking for uh culturally appropriate age appropriate not the name of a porn star um not the name of anyone i ever dated uh -huh. not the name of anyone in my family um so i ended up started looking through my college yearbook and I came across the name of a woman I went to college with. Uh, I knew her, we had been in some stage productions together and her name was Janelle. So I couldn't, I could not take Jan or Jan L as it was spelled because that would be shortened to Jan and that was my mother's nickname. Okay. So that was right out, but I liked the name. So I found Janelle, and the original spelling I looked at was J-E-N-N-E-L-L-E. -E -L -L -E. Okay. Well, I started writing that out, and it didn't look good written out for me. So I chopped the E off the end, nice. and that was it. Hmm. Nice. And I have been Janelle ever since. Yeah, we've got some, some good stories of, from on the show of name choices i loved one was she named herself after the name that her mother would have named her if she'd been born a girl but yeah that was really sweet i i wish i kind of wish i had had the courage to ask my dad but i'm not certain he would have known mm -hmm. and my mother had already passed had passed a number of years before so um i didn't have that option to, to choose from. Okay. I guess the weirdest thing about my name was something I discovered later in life was that my given name was my father's the college fiance's father's name. Okay. <laughs> and I went I met and I met this woman later in life because that was my dad's girl. She she became my dad dad's girlfriend again. So this is how oh, wow. Yeah, so in his last years of his life, he was dating the woman he had been engaged to in college. Hmm. Um, but it always felt weird to me, and I think my sister thought the same thing, is that how did our mother feel about having a child named after my father's girlfriend's father? just one of those things yeah um, how, how did that one get through I, I yeah how did that one get through <laughs> what doesn't seem to pass the muster there <laughs> yeah the um so my my mom i don't know what 
female name she would have chosen for me. I, I think she's told me before, but I forgot all about it. And I felt kind of sheepish when, when I heard that story on my show. And I'm like, oh, that would have been a really good idea because it's a great way to tie in your family mm-hmm. and and to include them in it. If that's something that you're willing to do, it's 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 really nice and inclusive for them. Yeah. I think you almost need, in some ways to do that, you need to come out to family a lot sooner than I did. Yeah. Because I was already going by Janelle before I first came out to anyone in my, anyone, 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 mm-hmm. other than my first ex. What was the acceptance that you found at work? Um, you know, there was a lot of tumultuous things going on. You, your team is gone. The, the people that you're left with, how did they react? The people I was left with, um, my team was supportive. Um, team was 100% supportive. Um, this, as I said, this was a company that was already com- comfortable working with LGBT people. The benefit of coming out was I actually, well, the way I wanted to have to phrase this, is all of my life trying to form relationships, I had been doing them reaching around a 900 pound gorilla that was my actual identity. Uh Something I could never share with other people. And I look at it and I feel that it was actually forming a barrier to actually forming real relationships with other people. Mm. When I came out, when I started going to my group therapy, those were some of my first real friends, people I could share everything with. Mm. And I'd never experienced that before. And so it hurt when I came out and the people who had been my friend, some of the people who had been my friends all my life ghosted on me. Mm -hmm. They never responded to my coming out letter. and I'm talking about people who I had known since college. So we're talking going back into my my early 20s, Um, actually even to high school. And it took me a while to come to terms with the idea that I was actually grieving for the loss of these people and then work through those stages of grief with them. Well, not with them, um, about them. One of the truths about transition is you cannot do it unless you're willing to pay the price. The price is loss. There's all, you always are going, you're going to lose something that's, that's important to you. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a job, a marriage, access to your children, or, your, or even relationships with your children, um, friends. Um, it's a price. And you have to at least go in with the willingness that knowing this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Are there things in your life, are there other times when you feel dysphoric? Or have you gotten past um, that? Mostly, not really as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Some of it maybe just I've compartmentalized it away and I don't worry about it. I just make sure that when I'm out presenting publicly, I'm on. Okay. Um, You're always on guard. I'm on guard. I, you know, I don't, I don't, 
most of what made me masculine has dropped away at this point. Okay. Um, and it's everything I do, I don't, I just do subconsciously. So um, I don't really worry about, worry about it. I don't dress in any way to, to try and reveal myself. Um, I have not had somebody, um, you know, clock me um, in years. That that's um, yeah, I imagine. Yeah, so um, I don't worry about it. It's okay. I, it's I, and then the, now the fact that I'm a freaking hermit, you know, I don't go out in the world much. Yeah, and and it's kind of funny how the change in our society like this really kind of helps some of the of us that are you know tend to be more introverted. Yeah, I'll say that one of the biggest changes, one of the biggest things I did for myself, and this again, someone says, you know, you shouldn't have to do this, was I had voice therapy. Okay. And it was a matter of both learning learning how to change the sound of my voice um, and reminding me that I nearly, really need to, you have to constantly work at it. Mm -hmm. And learning out how to how to choose words, how to um, how to pace what you say, how to insert phrases that instantly make the way you talk feminine. Huh, okay. So it's been a that was that was a biggie for me. Um, you know, being able being able to go up to a drive-through and get gendered properly. Um, was a big thing. Being able to get on the phone with someone and be gendered properly. Um, that was a big deal for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard a lot of that. That's a very common fear. Those things on the phone, online gaming is, is a big issue for a lot of trans mm -hmm. women. And uh, yeah, I'm sure drive-throughs and things like that. Any time where yeah. it's purely voice-based is, is, is very dysphoric for a lot of us because that's one of the hardest things to, the harder things to change. It is. And I I'll be the first person in line to say, if you, if voice matters to you, find a good voice therapist in your area. Um, I guess we can say, find one who, did, a good voice therapist will work with you online. I really appreciated that I could work in person with mine. Okay. Um, I work with a woman who literally wrote the book oh. on trans voice therapy. <laughs> Nice. Uh, okay. She was located in Seattle. Um, just loved her, and whenever you, she whenever was. Whenever you needed people, they were right there in your life. That's so. <laughs> well, it, help, it helps that one. I was in. You know, when I was going through transition, I was in queer supportive communities. Uh -huh. um, I am not certain what, how I would have managed it, or even if I could have, if. I was starting here in Dallas 10 years ago. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, going out and being, you know, at least slightly on guard. Is that in part where you are currently? And have you felt less of that need in other cities? Um, right now, I don't, I, again, it's just, I'm out, I'm not really worrying about it. Um, I'm surrounded by women who if they aren't as tall as I am, they're as big as I am. Um, <laughs> it was kind of what, yeah, it was a little more weird being in the Bay Area where there were so many um, P 
people of Asian or Hispanic heritage who were like tiny people around me. Mm-hmm. So I was a little more self-conscious with them. But that's also an area that really doesn't care that much about who you are. So how has transitioning affected your mental health? I think this is a, a pretty big softball. Um, I'm going to say the transition, I have actually, you know, I started learning about or being more aware of my own mental health. Um, I now know when I deal with, I, I now am able to sense when I'm dealing with depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually had to go on antidepressants after a certain person was elected uh, to office four years ago. Hmm. Um, so, and that was at the recommendation of my personal care physician, um, primary care physician. Um, I am more aware of how being introverted affects my life. Um, I always knew I was a little bit introverted, but after transition, I became aware of exactly how introverted I was. Okay. Um, uh, I've spent a lot of time in therapy because you have to have a therapist. You have to get sign-offs from um, therapists for certain procedures. Um, yeah. So I went through all that. Uh, just, I have my ups and downs. Today was not a great day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reacting to something that happened in the news that was related to me, and it threw me into a funk. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of counterbalanced by getting new garage, <laughs> getting new garage doors installed this afternoon. Okay, nice. But you got to take the so, little lens uh, when you get them? Yeah, and then uh, having someone explain to me, on um, respond to one of my posts on the book on the book Kickstarter that, um, sure, your 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 adventure may have only been the third one to be published, but it was the first full one to be print published in a public in a periodical, which kind of overcame something that hit me a few months, a couple months, about a month or so ago when I discovered that. I wasn't the first publication in a periodical, so. Uh-huh. But uh, so I have my ups and downs. My wife recognizes these. We manage to support each other through it. Um, for me, sometimes calorie therapy is effective. Okay. In my but in throwing that and trying to be on a weight loss diet, that can be challenging. But. <laughs> I think there's a, a much greater need these days for comfort food. I find that a lot in in my daily diet. Um, yeah, I say I'm comfort food. Comfort food still plays a big part of my diet. All I have to do though is I understand the calories that I'm eating and limit the amount I put in my mouth. Mm-hmm. As you know, so you and your wife are both very public about about yourselves i mean you're you're both in the public eye let's put it that Mm -hmm. way have you found a much greater level of support than um criticism from the perspective of being transgender um when i came out when i was coming out and this is uh december 2011 um i was getting ready to call my week of coming out, Shark Week, 
you know, <laughs> after the most dramatic week on television every year. Um, and I was fully anticipating just being destroyed after I came out that week. Uh-huh. And I was totally surprised. Um, it was almost, let's say, 95% supportive. Most of the people who were going to be negative, a lot of the people who were going to be negative um, didn't respond. Others did their negativity inside little closets of uh, private communication mm-hmm. um, in the game industry. But so many people came out and said, wow, that's awesome. That's great. You be you. And it allowed me, one of the things I realized was my high profile career before coming out actually made transition easier for me um, because people had, people had respect for me already mm-hmm. for what I did and things I had done for other people, my giving, my involvement in education, um, that carried me through a lot of possible negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, so I think it, it actually, in a real sense, I think I have more real friends now. I um, It is easier for me to be outspoken about issues of any kind now mm-hmm. because I can speak honestly. Um, I'm not hiding behind a secret. Um, it actually was good for me. And the, I guess one of the things to realize is, is that the person I'm, that I am online being outspoken about issues, mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily that person on the street. I'm a lot more reserved. I'm the person trying to fade into the background. Uh-huh. You know, I'm, try- I'm, I'm just trying to be not there holding a sign saying, look at me, I'm here and I'm queer. Yeah. You know, that's because that's, that's not who I am. But because I have the ability to communicate through the written word, through art, um, and in some cases like this, the spoken word, um, I'm able to make a difference in ways that people who didn't have my, my past may not have available to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and, the, that and the vast amount of privilege I had from my earlier life. Yeah. I mean, like, that grants a certain amount of privilege, and I have to acknowledge that. Well, that yeah, and that's wonderful that you had that. You had that, that kind of cushion, that support that was already built in. But, you know, still that doesn't guarantee that the reaction is going to be that positive. So that's wonderful no. that it was. No. Um, and the other side of it is, is I had actually broken off, like, you know, I didn't have romantic relationships I was trying to preserve. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that might have cha- made a big change in my life or affected my decisions is if my children had rejected me. Mm-hmm. And I did have one of, one of my friends in my, uh, my support group, her children completely rejected her. And she's had to learn how to be okay with that. Wow. Um, but I was I was willing that if my kids were embarrassed by my existence, to basically become someone else 
and not be a part of their life because I didn't want their lives being hurt by my life. Uh Well, it turns out that was, pardon? Nor to dictate yours. Right, but it turns out it went the other way with them. Um, When I came up privately to both my kids, I came out in person to them uh, and individually without them communicating with each other in between both of them came to me both of them said to me it doesn't matter i still love you and that's been true um you know since for the last nine years in fact my my daughter became one of my biggest supporters she is if anything she's more of a firebrand than i am that's great that's great you get to be the introvert and she can be the one carrying the sign <laughs> except that both my kids are total introvert nerds so <laughs> it's online so so wrapping up this section um what is what is the key advice that you would give to young or closeted transgender people what is the wisdom that you have to pass on the biggest wisdom i can pass on is it's they're all related but it's know what your goals are where do you want to end up what what do you want your transition to become then discover the ways that you achieve that goal whether it's um, social transition surgeries um, whatever it's going to take to reach that goal then Make a plan to reach it. Understand how you're going to reach it. Do what you can to set your goals in place. And finally, have a plan for scheduling when you come out, when you make your when you take these different steps. Um, don't just float through and expect things to land in your lap. Um, like I said, when we were talking, I had planned to come out publicly a year after I started transition. That was just, that was my arbitrary decision. I was gonna go through a lot of the processes beyond uh, hormone therapy, do the things that I needed to reach my goal. And then I ended up moving that ahead by three months. <laughs> because one, I was impatient to get, in them, to get into my new life and it just timed out better that way. Well, that's great. Yeah, you had your plan, but then you were able to be flexible with it. Yes. That's great. But it, it basically, have a, have a goal, have a plan. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Transgender Show from the Transverse Network. Watch the full video version of the show live Tuesday nights at twitch.tv slash thetransverse. And be sure to catch our slate of other great shows there as well. If you love what we're doing and want to support The Transverse, you can do so by visiting patreon.com slash thetransverse.